What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It's Friday, July 2nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. There's a lot of talk about infrastructure lately as the Biden administration tries to get a bill passed. And one of the big questions being debated is how to pay for it. But why does it cost so much to build things in America? When it comes to mass transit and roads, we just don't build enough and are out of practice. Every time a new project comes along, it's like starting from scratch. There's also the complexity of working across multiple jurisdictions and bottlenecks at every step of the process. Jerusalem Demsis, policy reporter at Vox, joins us for why the U.S. gets very little for what it builds. Thanks for joining us, Jerusalem. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right now we're seeing this ongoing conversation about infrastructure in the country. Obviously, the Biden administration is pushing for a big bill. It looks like we might have a compromise, but, you know, that all that stuff is still ongoing, still being worked out. Obviously, one of the big things that is being talked about is the cost. How much is this all going to cost? We know that infrastructure tends to be very expensive in the country. I think in the article you noted, the U.S. is the sixth most expensive country in the world to build rapid rail transit infrastructure like we have in New York City in the subway and the Washington Metro, all that stuff. But that question comes, why does it cost so much to build things in America? Jerusalem, you wrote an article looking into that. So tell us what we're seeing. Sure. And so even, you know, the stat that you said, this we're the sixth most expensive place to build rapid rail transit, it really undersells it because the five countries that are more expensive than us are doing much more ambitious projects. They're tunneling a lot more, which means it's much more expensive to to build the actual infrastructure. So they're, they're building more than 80% of their rapid rail transit tunneled, and we're only building 37%. So if we were doing what they were doing in terms of the ambition of our projects, we would be likely the most expensive place in the world to build any kind of transit. So that that really kind of gives you a scope of how big the problem is. And this isn't really just a transit problem. This is also with America's highways. 
there's research by the New York Federal Reserve, by Brown University, by George Washington University and Yale researchers that looked into how expensive it's become over time to add uh, sections to the highway. And it's mostly a new construction problem, things like widening and building interchanges or building new sections of road. And it's three times more expensive in 1980s um, to build a new section of the highway than in the 60s. And then between 1990 and 2008, after that, it increased fivefold. So it's, it's been increasing over time for, for quite a bit. And so the problem is problem is quite massive. Yeah, I think one of the experts you spoke to, you know, going back to the 50s, right? And, and a few decades later, it's like, yeah, you know, the prices went up a little bit. Then it kind of went up substantially mm-hmm. and now it's exploded. And we see that mm-hmm. when, you know, as you mentioned, uh, depending on how ambitious a project is, you, you see it going in the millions to the billions. Just mm-hmm. as an example, I live in California and we were going through the high speed rail thing that w- that they wanted to build. Initial estimates mm-hmm. in 2008, that was about $33 billion it was going to cost. Then went up to $68 billion. I think it, right now it's over $100 billion, but it's kind of been going nowhere. You know, one of the things that uh, I just saw was a, an environmental impact report for a portion of that rail had just been released. So, I mean, this is just how long these projects take. And that's another thing that that figures into this, the the time, the duration that it takes for a project to be, I, I guess, even started, but completed is pretty long. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you brought up the environmental impact statement because that's a big part of the problem. Researchers look at the passage of the National Environmental Policy Act in 1970 as part of the reason why it, uh, there, you have all these cost overruns and delays. So, you know, it was trying to solve an important problem, which was that we wanted to make sure that infrastructure projects weren't causing undue harm to the environment. But the way that it created power was to ensure that any citizen could essentially sue, claiming that there was some kind of environmental problem and cause a ton of delays, even if there's no evidence that there's actually any environmental harm. The, the result of that is that now, the average um, environmental impact statement, which is required for any federal project or private project that requires a federal permit, it takes it's more than 600 pages plus 1,000 pages in appendices and takes roughly four and a half years to complete. So that's the kind of delay we're talking about. And you can't break ground on the project until you've completed that. And of course, during that time, you're paying consultants, you're paying staffers, you're doing all this kind of stuff that is still ongoing and you're not actually getting any product provided to to Americans who need transit to get to work or to school or or to play. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's one of the things that obviously uh, we went through in California. Obviously, taking a long time, you can't break ground. You have to wait for all the dust to settle on that. Yeah, definitely takes a lot of time. The other thing too, you mentioned mm-hmm. the article: lawsuits tend to, you know, expand these projects and you know, in cost and in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so let's let's talk about the why it, it's more expensive. I mean, but what about basic things like just the cost of the materials? Or, or even just, you know, in, in America, obviously, we, we have a lot of higher safety standards. Uh, that technically doesn't really increase the cost as much as people would think. Yeah, so the fundamental drivers of cost, and again, this is a place where we really need a lot more data. One of the biggest problems is that the federal government and state governments do not collect data on wh- where this money is being spent in an itemized way. So Leah Brooks, who is a uh, researcher at George Washington University, she told me that apparently the Federal Highway Administration doesn't know how much it costs to build any individual section of the highway. They're just sending money out and they don't actually know where it's going. And so that's that's kind of a big, big problem. So what we do know is that outside, I mean, one of the big things is, of course, these lawsuits that come out of these environmental laws and allow people to kind of abuse the, the goodwill of these laws for their own benefit. 
And second thing is just that, you know, there are a lot of administrative problems, a lot of bureaucratic issues with which that which we do transit in this country that are really impractical. Uh, researchers looked at um, the Boston Green Line extension as a case study and found kind of similar things across the country. One is that there are understaffed agencies that don't have a lot of experience managing projects or consultants. Like anything, people who practice something are going to be good at it. In America, we're not very practiced at building transit. And so people are doing it for the first time. Agencies are usually doing it for the first time every time they commence it. So you don't have this a lot of institutional memory. So you end up kind of hiring a bunch of expensive consultants to help you with that project. And that helps run off the cost. And then as, as, it, as it takes longer and longer to do, people are really any kind of policymaker in the area is really attracted to the amount of federal money that's coming in to fund this project. And so they all want their pet project to be included. And a lot of these things are, are good ideas, things like bike lanes or uh, making sure that there's a sufficient green space or things like that that are very popular ideas. But they add to the cost of any individual project and they end up making it inefficient because now you have an agency trying to manage a behemoth of a project instead of the original plan, which was just a four and a half mile light rail project that was supposed to cost a billion dollars. What ended up happening is that in 2015, that Boston Green Line extension actually ended up costing over three billion dollars and the project had to be put on hold because it was just absurd <laughs> at that point. Oh my so, gosh. And that's, and, yeah. And I mean, I think there's also this larger problem in the United States where People are, 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 there's a culture of not being, not trusting the government to get something done quickly for good reason in a lot of cases. And then also what that means is people are not willing to put up with any kind of construction delays. So in the United States, you know, in a lot of places, you're only allowed to work at night. You're only allowed to do construction at night and you have to keep traffic flowing. So you can't just like shut down a street in the middle of the day to continue working on something. And what ends up happening is in Istanbul, for instance, transit construction projects, they run 24 hours a day. And then in seven years, they were able to build 12 miles of subway and Boston built basically zero miles of their project. So that just kind of indicates a lot of the problems that come about. And of course, that leads to American transit agencies really needing to look to other countries to see what they're doing better than us. Yeah. And that was the the next question that I had. You, you You mentioned Istanbul. You mentioned how we have no practice really here in the States of continually building these projects. Mm-hmm. And and we talk about the ambitiousness of the projects too. You know, other countries are constantly building, upgrading, extending all that. You know, what, what happens? Do we, do we look to them? Do we get mm-hmm. consultants uh, on that side? Uh, you know, how do we, mm-hmm. how do we close that divide at least? I mean, I think the first step is just acknowledging that this is not, a, this is a problem. And secondly is, requiring that there be individual agencies that are actually responsible for the final output. We all know what happens in group projects when there's not a person who's responsible for, <laughs> for making sure it gets shepherded through. That was my um, favorite every- quote from the article. It's like a most <laughs> the most dysfunctional group project ever. It really is. I mean, we've all been in that situation. And when there's not someone who's responsible for the final output, who's shepherding it through, who's making sure that everyone's pieces are in place, you have a lot of inefficiency, you have a lot of stress and a lot of anger coming in. And that's essentially what we're doing in the United States. And I think it requires there being an understanding that there's a problem, a delegation to specific agencies of the authority to actually oversee and also be responsible for any kind of delays or cost overruns. And 
once that happens, I think that there can be a lot of change, interchange of ideas across the Atlantic and across the Pacific to different nations that are able to do this better. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, you know, people don't mind paying more money if it means we're getting something important. If we're yeah. providing accessibility infrastructure like elevators so people can, you know, access it if they're in a wheelchair or they're disabled in some other way, or, you know, we're providing some sort of green space or labor requirements. But there's no evidence right now that what we're paying for is something that we value. We're just throwing money away. But the most important thing I think I would like to say, though, too, is just that, you know, a lot of times we have this discussion and people think, oh, we need to be cutting budgets. That's not the answer. America spends very little on infrastructure investments. We're just not very good at spending the money we do spend in an efficient way. So getting to that point means actually staffing up these agencies. It means making sure that they're fully staffed. They don't have to rely on expensive consultants and that they can build up the institutional memory to actually get things done for, for taxpayers. Definitely. I mean, as I mentioned, the infrastructure plan is being debated right now. If something passes, there's going to be a lot of projects that are passed, you know, whatever city, state, wherever it's going to be. And we got to make sure that we get it right. And these types of discussions need to be happening right now so that we can get it right. And those projects can be done in a timely fashion because all that does is just keep extending the cost of these things. Jerusalem Demsis, policy reporter at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease.